Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining me for a new episode of the Bookish Besties podcast. I'm Mary, and today I'm going to talk about a topic that I've been thinking a lot about lately. Why are so many men using female or gender ambiguous pen names? This all started with a book. Of course it did. Uh, Last month, I finished the book The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. And honestly, this book... (laughs) It took me two years to finish. It was one of those books that I just kind of kept by my nightstand and I pick it up and read a couple chapters or or whatever and then I set it down and then read the next book. And it wasn't one that just kind of kept gripping me, but it wasn't one that I wanted to stop reading. Uh, So it was just kind of like an in-betweener book for me. I rarely abandon books and I consider myself more of a mood reader. So sometimes I just really was not in the mood for this book. But, you know... Looking back, I think it's okay if I did abandon it. Um, I recognize that, but anyway. However, I the thing that kind of got me about this book, I kept on questioning the logic of the female characters, especially the main character. I kept on thinking, oh my God, this chick is so dumb. Well, okay, not dumb, but just has really poor judgment. There was just something about this character that I just, I didn't get. So I started asking this question, um, you know, why, why am I starting to see books like this popping up now, you know, where the, the female character just has bad logic? Cause it wasn't the first one that I've read, but for some reason I wanted to see what other books this author had written. And I don't think it was necessarily because I wanted to read those books. I think I was just very curious how many books this author had, how popular it was. And when I looked him, looked her up, I, I assumed it was a woman, but it wasn't a woman. I found out it was a man. Riley Sager is a pen name for uh, a man. I was kind of frankly shocked when I found that. But it's not unusual in the in the book world to use a pen name uh, or a nom de plume. I get all Frenchy on you. It, it's not n- new. Like Lewis Carroll, uh, the writer of Alice in Wonderland, his name was Charles Dodgson. Uh, his father was Charles Dodgson and his grandfather was Charles Dodgson. So you can kind of see why he took on a, a pen name. Pablo Neruda, the poet, his name was Neftali Reyes. Mark Twain, everyone knows Mark Twain is a pseudonym if you don't. Well, surprise, Mark Twain is a pseudonym. Uh, his real name is Samuel Langhorn Clemens. And then in recent in recent years, uh, Stephen King, he also had a pseudonym. He, he wrote as Richard Bachman for a while. Um, and he did it just to see if his popularity was a fluke. And eventually he got found out and then he stopped writing under that, that pen name. And then in history, you know, we also see a lot of women who take on a male pseudonym or a gender neutral one for their, their published works. And they did it, though, for different reasons. They were doing it to publish without the prejudice and sexism in a predominantly white male industry. And it still is predominantly white and male. Uh, it's it's growing. It's probably more female, but it's still pretty white. Why do women do that? Uh, you know, some of the other thoughts is that, you know, they want to experiment with the freedom of anonymity. There are several examples in literature of women taking on male names. So Marianne Evans, uh, she wrote under the name George Eliot. Uh, she wrote Middlemarch and Daniel Deronda. The Bronte sisters, they wrote under the names Kerr 
Alice and Acton Bell. I don't think I said that first one right, but Kerr, Kerr. Anyway, uh, Louisa May Alcott, uh, she wrote Little Women. She went by the name A.M. Barnard. Karen Blixen, writer of Out of Africa or, you know, Meryl Streep in the movie Out of Africa. She published under the name Isaac Dennison. And then, of course, you know, you have Joanne Rowling of Harry Potter. She published under a gender ambiguous name of J.K. Rowling. She doesn't have a middle name, so K was made up. But she's also used Richard Galbraith for some of her mystery novels. And that was, you know, a few years ago that came out. It was a big scandal. I wouldn't say it's a scandal. It was kind of a big surprise for everyone. But that list goes on. In the end, if a woman was taking on a man's name, again, as their pseudonym, it was usually to try to avoid the sexism and prejudice within the industry. And let's be honest, you know, that was pretty much the case, you know, the, there was a belief that young boys would not read adventure novels written by women or, you know, because our society glorifies the masculine as strong and powerful while the feminine is seen as delicate and weak. Um, and there's a lot of cases in academia to really go into this. That that will be a later episode, I promise. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. Getting back to crime thrillers, which is the genre we're talking about today, I have noticed this trend where men are now taking on women names or gender ambiguous names uh, for their pseudonyms to help sell books. So the genre th thriller, there has been this trend with female authors and it really all started with Gone Girl. Gone Girl became this very popular novel. I'm sure many of you have read it and it then spawned a lot of new writers within female writers within this genre, Ruth Ware, Paula Hawkins. And a lot of women started reading these crime thrillers that were written by women. And women were looking for female authors. And I think that's great. But then these male authors who, who used to dominate this genre, they weren't selling as strongly as they used to. So they started to take on these pen names to still tap these readers that were out there um, that wanted to read books by women. So these pen names were gender ambiguous or straight up female. And, and frankly, you know, as a female writer and reader, this is really frustrating to me. Um, and it should be to you as well. So who are these men? So as I mentioned, R Riley Sager, his name is Todd Ritter. There is an author out there named S.K. Tremaine. Uh, his name is Sean Thomas. S.K. Tremaine wrote The Ice Twins and Just Before I Died. And then A.J. Finn is Daniel Mallory. And he wrote The Woman in the Window. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this because this is a movie that is going to be coming out this fall uh, starring Amy Adams and Gary Oldman. And you're going to be hearing a lot about this movie, this book, and likely this author in the next coming months. So Daniel Mallory is this charismatic 40-something editor and author. He is originally from North Carolina. He attended Duke. He got his master's at Oxford. On a sadder note, his, his mother passed away from cancer. His brother committed suicide. He then moved to New York City and secured a job as an assistant to Linda Mar Marrow, uh, the editor-director at Ballantine Books. He was a he was a little bit stagnant with that job, and like 
he, he didn't really advance. And like a lot of us, you know, when we don't advance, sometimes we just go back to school, which is what he did. He went back to Oxford to get his doctorate. He finished at Oxford, you know, he became Dr. Mallory, signed his emails, Dr. Mallory. And then he got hired at Sphere in London, which is a commercial imprint of Little Brown. He was promoted. And then after he got promoted, he suddenly got this inoperable brain tumor and was going to die by the time he was 40. So this poor guy, I mean, this is around 2010, 2012. Um, so yeah, this poor guy just kind of had a lot of bad luck. You know, his mother dying, his brother dying. He gets an inoperable brain tumor. So he takes a job back in New York with William Morrow. And he writes The Woman in the Window. And then he gets a two-book, $2 million deal. Yeah, his, his luck just got suddenly better. <laughs> the book is published in 2018. It's an instant bestseller. And now the movie is expected to come out in the fall of 2020, unless, you know, COVID pushes it back, which is happening. So it's probably likely. So that was just kind of a high-level overview to the casual observer of Daniel Mallory, a.k.a. AJ Finn. But as life always is, the truth is stranger than fiction. And this guy definitely fits that bill. So in February of 2019, the New Yorker magazine published an article about Mallory, and it's still online. You can find this. And it's bonkers. There, this, this man was a master of deception. So one, his mother never passed away. She is alive as of the time of that article being published. Uh, she's alive and living in Amagansett. His brother, Jake, not dead. He also was alive at the time of this article, living in North Carolina. He never got a doctorate from Oxford. He went there for two years, um, but he the doctorate like takes four years. He never finished. Um, but then he would go on to claim that he actually got two doctorates. Uh, so he was a double doctorate. <laughs> And then on top of this, he never had a brain tumor, even though he took time off from his job to have surgery. And then get this, he created a fake persona, a fake email uh, as his brother, Jake. Um, and he would send emails to his colleagues about his prognosis and his progress like he had surgery to remove the tumor to the people in london it was a tumor in his brain to the people in new york it was a tumor in his spine now i should say this is allegedly he did this but some guy named jake mallory sent these updates to people but everyone believed it like in this article people were just like yep i fell for it he, he lied. And I mean, there's other things in there, so I'm not giving everything away. There's other things in there that are totally bonkers. But the thing that kind of got me about it was, you know, I was I said that he was the master of deception. His favorite book was The, the Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. In fact, that was going to be his dissertation for for his doctorate. So it's it's really a fascinating uh article. But you know, at the end of the day, Dan Mallory, aka AJ Finn, wrote this wildly successful novel marketed to women uh, under a gender ambiguous name and sold millions and earned millions. 
so in the end really we we fell for it too we fell for his his con you know he gets to keep all his money uh his book deal there are no repercussions for this it's just kind of like we all got hoodwinked but kind of going back and okay so again that was the new yorker february of 2019 uh just you know if you google daniel mallory you'll find it it's like the first thing that comes up but you know kind of going back to something else that i found kind of coincidentally funny or just maybe a little fun tidbit so riley sager all of his books, he's written four books under that name, to the best of my knowledge. All four of those books have been book of the month picks. And Dan Mallory's Woman in the Window, or A.J. Finn's Woman in the Window, was also a book of the month pick. So I know the book of the month has been having a lot of issues lately, a lot of negative press. So I don't want to pile on, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I think somebody should have at least, you know, paid a little bit more attention with this, or at least asked this question prior to publishing their picks. I don't know. Coincidentally, also, or I should say strangely enough, I, I found, um, you know, while I was researching this topic for a while now, uh, a, a couple days ago, a publisher in England, I believe, uh, is reissuing classic books that were written by women uh, under men's name, like, and they're publishing them with their real names. So Middlemarch will now say, Mary Ann Evans, which I think is really cool. I, I think they're only ebooks though. Um, and then like the hard copy books are just going to be going to libraries. Uh, but I think that was, that's a pretty genius plan. Something that I would probably recommend if, if it ever came to the United States, I would probably pick those up at some point. So, you know, at the end of the day though, just to kind of sum up here, I'm not saying that you should not read books written by men who are pretending to be gender ambiguous. I know that there are lots of fans of Riley Sager out there and some of these other authors. And don't feel shamed if these are people that you enjoy reading. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do here. However, I do think that this is going to be a trend we're going to start seeing more of going forward. Authors are going to be representing themselves as something that they are not just to sell their book. I only talked about men today who are blatantly or, or subtly taking on a female persona, but we are already starting to see this with race as well. Authors who are not of a race are taking on names that are culturally identified with another, such as Asian surnames or a Latinx surname. We're, we're not going to get into that in today's episode, but it is something that is really happening now. And if you leave here with anything today, please, 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 when you see that next glowing review from someone on Bookstagram or that awesome cover, when you're at your indie bookstore, do your due diligence in researching who you're supporting. As I said, it's easy to get hoodwinked. I've been there. I've learned and I've grown. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Bookish Besties. I hope you have a great rest of your week and happy reading.